Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. So the first reading yep, is from Isaiah 9, verses 2 to verse 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, um, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and, and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And the second reading is, um, is from Matthew 2, verse 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod had heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Well, keep that part of God's word open, Matthew chapter 1. Uh, we'll have a look at that in, in just a moment's time. Um, I, I feel like every year compelled to start this moment as we come to God's Word with just a little recounting of a story that I once heard of a, a school nativity play uh, that happened. Um, and the, uh, you know, you can imagine everyone's, you know, kind of got their role and they're on the stage and the, the three wise men are sort of standing there and they come out, these, you know, they, we're talking primary school, uh, these three little guys turn up on the stage and they've, they've each got their gifts, um, gold, frankincense and myrrh and the baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph are sitting on the stage as well and these three little guys walk out and they stand there 
and the, the first, the first um, wise man walks up and says, I give you gold, and then places it down in front of the baby Jesus and steps back into line. And the next one comes along, and he, stuck, he, looks, he moves forward, steps forward, and places it down and says, you know, I bring you myrrh, and then steps back into line. And then the third child is standing there, and he's, he's holding his gift, and he, he walks up to the baby Jesus, and he stands there a little bit stunned and not sure what to say. He's forgotten his line, and he goes... Frank sent this. I love that. I love that. And anyway, apparently, apparently then, they, um, then they, uh, they're all lined up and they're on the stage and, and then they sort of all meant to sort of stand there and, um, and they're all lining up and the, the teacher's in the wings kind of telling the kids what they're supposed to do. And she's in the wings and she's going, bow, bow, like reminding them to bow before the Lord Jesus. And they're all sort of looking at each other. And the guy who put the Frank sent this one down, it goes, woof, at the baby Jesus. Anyway, I'm a dad. I've got a few dad jokes. There you go. Um, Merry Christmas. Um, let's pray as we come before God's word. Father, we thank you and praise you for all the good things you give us. Thank you for, thank you for Christmas. Uh, Lord, we pray now as we just briefly look at your word and, and think about the message of, of Christmas, Lord, that you would just remind us afresh of the beauty and the goodness and the truth and wonder of the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, there's been uh, a little bit of talk uh, in the, the pastor ministry back channels this Christmas. Uh, yes, there are pastor ministry back channels um, about how on earth you approach your Christmas message in 2021, given the backdrop of our experience this year. Do you focus on the sadness, the pain, the, the dislocation and the tragedies of 2021? Uh, dwell on COVID and, and maybe risk a grieving fatigue? Or worse, risk like you're appearing like you're taking advantage of uncertainties and calamities and tragedies and get a, to get a compelling message in? Or do you focus on the joy and the happiness and the celebration, all that stuff, and maybe risk complete irrelevance. The reality is that both are part of the human experience, right? The sadness and the joy, the tragedy and the celebration. And both of these are part of our speculations about the Almighty, about who God is. Could hardly be otherwise. We do allow our life experience to shape how we think about the Almighty. Back in 2013, I traveled with Adele and a much littler Stella to the US. Uh, and I remember watching a TV evangelist, a US TV evangelist, um, try to convince me that God was a God of prosperity and he wanted nothing but to prosper your life. Um, I sat there as a struggling pastor at the time thinking, yeah, a little bit more prosperity would be nice. And he said, look, seriously, God wants to give you the, the house of your dreams. He wants to give you the car of your dreams, the dream holidays, the, the dream career. And on he went. And then he said, I've got a special for you today. He said, I have a prayer cloth. Looked like a hand towel, more than that, but it was a prayer cloth. He would prayed over this prayer cloth and said that if you place it in your house or place it in your garage or place it in your workplace, you'd end up with the house, the car, the work, the job of your dreams. The blessing of God was on this particular towel. And I kid you not, he said it would be free of charge with every $1,000 donation. 
to prove that it worked, right? He had footage of his enormous house and his incredible car collection and God is the God of prosperity, he said, and he had the prosperous life to prove it. It turns out, actually, just a couple of weeks ago, I was having coffee with someone and I was talking to this person over a cup of coffee just down the road in Prospect and I was talking to this person who wasn't a believer, actually, about my belief that God is a God of love. A lady on a table next door to me piped up and she said, how can you say God loves us when he takes people from our lives? I carried on with my conversation. But then after that, I had a quick chat to her and she told me about a story of amazing loss and tragedy. Two contradictory pictures of God based firmly on life experience, deeply believed. Can you ever know? Can we ever know? And in a way, right, the same is going to be true in a group of people like you and me, right here, gathered here today. I suppose it's possible that some of us here in the room today have had an absolutely fabulous year, a glorious year, a year of happiness and joy. No, actually, there are people who have had that experience this year. I've met them. And to the degree that you think about God, you probably do project your happy year onto him and you feel a bit thankful. Maybe you're here today because once a year you want to say thanks. And that's cool. We're fine with once a year at City Light Church North Adelaide. We'd obviously love to see you a little bit more often, but we're glad you're here and God loves to hear your thanks. But there are others, right, who look back on 2021 and thanks is the last thing on their lips, right? I mean, on the world stage, what a year. What do we do with all the events? So many, the withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan and the impact of that. COVID-19 Delta variant, COVID-19 Omicron. And then just recently, the awful events that occurred in Devonport, Tasmania. What do these things say about God? So we're left with this awkward, for some, haunting worry that God is just a projection of our life experience. Indeed, that's exactly what Sigmund Freud, the father of psychoanalysis, said when he thought about theism, the belief in God, that God is pretty much just a projection of our sentiments, and in particular, our sentiments about our parents. The longing for a lovely father in the sky is what gives us the urge, he would say, to have a belief in God. Of course, clever people at the time of Freud pointed out that it cuts both ways, right? If he is right, he's also equally likely to be wrong. Think about it. It's possible that Freud's atheism is as much a projection of his rejection of his overbearing German father in his life, right? So how do you know? Seems to me that you could not have clarity about who God is unless he showed up. And I don't mean showed up in the dreams or the prophecies of a prophet, nor only in the words of a holy book. I mean show up in history, in flesh, preferably with blood and sweat and tears to show for it. And it's clear that Christmas makes this claim. The opening words of the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, aren't just the way you'd ordinarily kind of open a Christmas gathering. 
These words to amount, amount, amount to a revolution in the ancient notion of God, a revolution that we've become kind of used to, but in the ancient world, these words were sh- shocking. John chapter one, hear them again. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, word there being the Lord Jesus. And then verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Now in the ancient world, right, people were used to the idea of apparitions of God, whether you're in Greece or Rome or even in India. Apparitions of aspects of the deity for sure, but not flesh. And the Apostle John is really dramatic in the original language because he uses this really confronting Greek word, sarks, sarks. He says, sarks agenito. He, flesh, became. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. No one in the ancient world could buy that. Infinity, infinitude, eternity and time. But that's the claim that God has enfleshed in all the uncertainties and dangers and weaknesses and frailties of our human flesh. That's the claim. You'll find it also in the other Christmas reading that we had, Matthew chapter 1 and into 2. Sure, he's going to be called Jesus, right? It's his name, Matthew 1.21. But he also gets a nickname, Jesus. The text says, chapter 1, verse 23, the nickname that we'll only ever use in hymns and carols, of course. No one would walk around calling Jesus his nickname. The nickname is Emmanuel. And we've been singing songs about him ever since. Emmanuel means God with us, the text reminds us. So in a very different way, Matthew is saying the same thing as John. All of the early writers in the first century said that Jesus was not just a prophet, he wasn't just a rabbi, Jesus is God with us. Not just God taught to us, not just God described to us, not God expounded for us, but God with us. This is a revolution in the idea of God. Now let me try and illustrate this for you briefly. I know that some people in the building can right now picture my father, my dad. Um, I know that because some of you have met my dad um, from time to time. Maybe you've seen me use pictures of him before in messages. But the rest of you, you know, you're sitting here and you're going, okay, like I need to now speculate maybe about what Simon's dad kind of looks like. So you're, you know, you're measuring what my dad, how high, how tall he might be. You're thinking about his eye color, maybe. You're thinking about his hair color, all that sort of stuff. You know, is he tall, wide, short, all that sort of stuff. You're making projections about what my dad might look like based on looking at me. Now, even though some of your guesses may be educated, Uh, Maybe some of you in the room are artistically brilliant and so you would come up with this beautiful looking picture of what my dad might look like, right? But basically they are just educated artistic guesses ultimately. But in the end, it's a guess. Unless you've seen a photo of my dad. 
There you go. That's my dad. I might give this to him for Christmas, actually. <laughs> Just wrap it up. This is what you used to look like when you were much younger, dad. But what, it, what is this? What is this? Apart from a picture of my dad, this is a revelation to end the speculation, right? It's Peter Jackson, that's right. That, this makes what you were guessing clear. And it's obviously why I'm telling you this, right? Because the claim of Christmas is that Jesus is the photo of God. No, better than that, he is God in flesh. Jesus is God with us to bring clarity. This is not just kind of Acts 29, City Light Church, North Adelaide kind of spin. The Presbyterians, you know, around the corner, they are saying the same thing right now. The Anglicans, just down Jeffcott Street towards the Adelaide Oval, they're saying pretty much the same thing right now. Even the Catholics across the street, they're saying the same thing right now. The heart of Christmas is God enfleshed. God with us in Jesus Christ to end the speculation as to what he is like. And as you think about the narrative of Christmas, what we've had read this morning, it's an extraordinary picture of God in a manger. Have you ever thought about that? An animal feeding area or trough to remind us that God is humble, that he comes with tenderness, not in glory, although he is glorious, adored by shepherds to tell us, I suppose, that this news is for anybody, not just the pious and the powerful. Shepherds actually are the only ones that are personally invited. All are welcome. Worshipped by magi, yeah, who are called foreigners from the east. I mean, what are they doing in the story? Other than to tell us that this good news is for everybody. Christmas is an anti-xenophobic story. And how we need that right now. And of course, at the heart of the story is a baby hunted down by King Herod to remind us that God is not unaware of real dangers, injustices and the pain of this world. My point is really simple this morning. If this is true, it changes everything. And it is true. Amidst the variations and uncertainties of life experiences, the triumphs and the tragedies, the joy and the pain, the celebration and the tears, Christmas claims to be able to end the guessing game about God. John Wesley, the great founder of the Methodist Church and the wonderful hymn writer, as he was dying, his last words were, quote, the best of all is God with us. In all the uncertainties, in the joy, in the tragedy, in the pain and the celebration, God is with us. I put it to you like this, and with this I end. Christmas asks us to make our picture of God, Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the wonderful gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, a gift that we did not deserve. But Father, we thank you that in your grace and your mercy, you have given us your Son, the Lord Jesus, the one who came from glory into the rags of our world in order to lift us up, to save us from our sins, and to now give us hope in the midst of an uncertain world. Father, thank you for this wonderful gift. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help each one of us who've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal saviour and the saviour of the world. Help us to give our lives for him in his service to make his good news known to all people everywhere. And Father, we thank you and praise you that no matter who we are, no matter where we're from, and no matter what we've done, we thank you that Christ was born for us. Help us to worship him with every part of our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.